Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we're back in the podcast studio, and I am on the phone here in the studio with a new friend of ours, Miss Nicole Carey from Evergreen Park in Illinois. Nicole, thank you for joining us on the Project Purple podcast. Thank you, Dino, for having me. I appreciate just the opportunity to come on the podcast and share my story. Well, Nicole, uh, we appreciate you taking time out of out of your day and your schedule. And to be 100% transparent with our audience, as we always are, um, you received a blanket from us. You're currently battling pancreatic cancer. And as we, we were talking before we started recording, your, your picture that you sent into us, we've used a couple times already on our social media channels on you know our blanket program. But it was just such an awesome picture. You had this great big smile. And you had your blanket and you had your doctor there and you both were given the kind of the thumbs up. And it was just so, you know, I, 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 I just, when that came in, you know, uh, with, with, we're recording this while we're going through this COVID-19 crisis here in the, in the world. And I think this was early on a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I mean, it was still, it's still happening in other parts of the, the world, just not as, as dramatic as it is now here in the United States. But, um, you know, it just put a big smile on my face. And, and I know the, uh, the office staff was just really excited when that picture came in because it was just so, so bright and so welcoming and so warm. So thank you for, for doing that. Um, you know, we send out thousands of blankets and, and we never do ask for pictures in return. And, and it's just uh-huh. awesome when people do send in pictures and, and they look as happy as you look in that picture. So thank you. No problem. It was um, actually a good day for me. Um, I have treatment every couple of weeks and my doctor is awesome. So he definitely did mind being in a picture. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Nicole, as, as we do with all our guests here at the Project Purple podcast, and this podcast is not about what we do here at Project Purple, but really to share stories of inspiration, hope with our community. Um, as tradition, we always give our guests the opportunity to share their background, their story, talk about, you know, what gets them to today in terms of being on the podcast. So with that, um, the microphone is yours. And as I always tell our guests, um, you can go as far back as you want, or you can stay as high level as you want, and then we'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, again, Dino, I, I just appreciate uh, you guys having me on here. Um, and when you say go back, let me just I guess start by saying that uh, for years I um, I worked for AT and T, and then uh, when I was diagnosed, I was actually working for People's Gas in the utility industry. But through my work with AT and T, uh, I signed up for our Pioneer Group, and our Pioneer Group did various walks, uh, breast cancer. We did book bags for kids and. Uh, walk for Alzheimer's and things like that. So 20 years ago, I was working every day and uh, participating in different community events, cancer walks or whatever. And I never forget my son. He was a little boy at the time. And he said, Mom, why do we have to do all of this all the time? <laughs> Go on these walks. I mean, he's a kid. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, the rule is, but by the grace of God, go I. And we never know what may impact us. Well, life was great. 
I mean, I'm having a good time. Later on, cancer impacted my family. Later on, cancer, uh, um, Alzheimer's, dementia, all of that impacted my family. But I was grateful that I was able to participate in some type of something to help someone else. Well, I'm getting ready. I'm excited. My son is graduating uh, from a great high school here in Illinois. Uh, he's a football player. He's been recruited by the school division two. And I'm about to be an empty nester. So I'm <laughs> and like I, I said to you before, everything was fine. Um, I'm planning the party and we're going on the last visit or the sign up for school, his dad and I with uh, my son. And I just noticed during the course of the last few weeks at work, when I went to the bathroom, my urine was dark. And as a little girl, my mother, you know, she would, you know, how your parents are, you know, yeah. watch these things, you know, if this is a problem, let me know. So my mother passed from cancer back in 2014. That day, I never forget, I remember my mother saying, look at your urine. And so I said, okay, fine, no problem. So I went another week and then I said, well, I work Monday through Friday, Saturday morning. If I get up and my urine is dark, I'm going to the emergency room. I did that. I went that morning. I explained that I was fine, lost a couple of pounds, but I was concerned about, you know, my urine is something going on. Hmm. They ran the tests, did a ultrasound. There's something on your pancreas. Okay. We're going to check further. They admitted me to the hospital. I was there for seven days. Wow. Uh, took me off of, because I'd been diagnosed maybe seven years before that uh, diabetic. Type so two? I'm taking type two. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on metformin. Mm -hmm. But during this time, the metformin really isn't getting it. And the doctor's saying, let's put you on insulin. So I'm on insulin, metformin. But other than that, you know, that's the my health problem. And when I'm in the hospital for the pancreas problem, I tell the doctor, yeah, I'm, I'm diabetic. And I'll never forget him saying immediately, do not give her any more of that medication. Mm. Took it off immediately. They tell me, well, you know, pancreas and it was just uh, it was a whirlwind July 2018 but I don't have time for cancer <laughs> I'm excited about life I mean and then I'm a football mom I, I, I never missed a game uh, when my son was little I did the uh, when he played baseball I, I worked at the concession stand I did all of that so now is this time he's about to be an adult and, and a man and I can't miss it. So uh, they kept me in the hospital, like I said, for the seven days. And I ended up having uh, surgery. I had the Whipple procedure in October of 2018. After the surgery, the doctor says, okay, well, we got it. No problem. Well, 
November, I have some scans done and the scans come back that it had already spread to my lungs, Mm. stage four. So within a month, so I just want to, for the timeline, so you go in in July of 18, you know, with this dark urine issue, and then they realize through some diagnostic testing that there's a mass on the pancreas and being a type two diabetic, they get you off the metformin, but then you don't have surgery until October of 18. Is that correct? That's correct. But that is because, um, we did a couple of rounds of chemo. Okay. So you did the chemo beforehand. Yep. And then I did the chemo in between the surgery. Yep. And then, so you have the surgery and then the first scan after the surgery, they say, wow, it's already spread to the lungs that quickly. Correct. Wow. Correct. And when they did the Whipple, when you, when, you know, typically patients who, who have the Whipple are usually early stage and that's why they do the Whipple because they can go in and they feel that there's no progression of disease in other parts of the body. That wasn't the case with you because I, 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 they wouldn't have done the Whipple, but then also what happens too, I think, and we've had people on the, the podcast before where they said, okay, you're going in for Whipple. And then they, they go in and they open the patients up and then they realize that there's stuff that they didn't see on the scan and you know they don't do the Whipple. So you didn't have anything like that. You had the Whipple. It just was literally after that next scan that that evidence Correct. of progression occurred that quickly. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That quickly. And um, it was, I mean, it was, it was really fast. So then I had to and that was like November because I was going to start radiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, of course, the radiation was canceled. So I've just been having um, the chemo wow. since then. But uh, last year was was really hard and difficult because I couldn't eat. Um, I lost so much weight and I couldn't eat. I ended up being uh, in the hospital and had to have a feeding tube and that didn't work. So I took it out and, but you know, it, it was, I'm fine now <laughs> in terms of eating. Yeah. Um, I'm eating better, maintaining my weight. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just grateful to be here. You know, it, it's been a hard storm and then trying to understand, we hear so much about other cancers and things like that, that, Everyone said, you know, most people that get it are their late 60s, you know, 70 years old is hard. I'm 49 years old. Mm. I'm 49. I like living and traveling. And, you know, my thing always is I don't have time for cancer. Uh, But it has um, it's taken a toll. It's humbled me. Um, It's pushed me to allow people to help. And to learn to ask for help and that it is okay. Um, it's been hard trying to stay encouraged. Um, my son started college. I sent him a text message every Monday of encouragement. You know, mm. this is the beginning of your life. And so every Monday, that's my thing. But some Mondays have been so hard to encourage him. But yet it's encouraging me. It's fascinating how that works, right? Yeah, it really it really is. Um, there are days that I send the text and then I have to go back and reread what I've written. 
And then just thank God that I, the message was really for me, hmm. you know, but I'm sharing it with my son. So, you know, during this uh, pandemic, pandemic that we're going through right now, mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous. I'm not a person to really panic too much, but I'm a little concerned. Um, I'm a, I'm a homeowner. So it's just my son and I, um, like I said, I was going through a divorce when I uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And so the divorce is over, but you know, it's just he and I, so I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I call my doctor's office. I'm supposed to have treatment Wednesday. What should I, should I really come out? And the doctor looked at everything and previous, he said, no, why don't you just wait till next week? Well, things are worse now. So I'll be calling back again Monday. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, we've been doing a lot of talk about this and there's some podcasts up you know, currently as we record this about that subject. And I, I think every case is, it, it's not like one size fits all. Right. And so I think every case you have to have these discussions with your clinicians and yes. understanding. And, and, you know, there is a, a large concern for people, you know, in the cancer community as a whole, right. Because they have compromised, you have a compromised immune system. You have a lot going on mm-hmm. and, you know, taking chemotherapy doesn't help any of that. And so, no. um, you know, times, you know, right now are really, really funny in the sense that, you know, people, you know, don't know, and, and there's a lot of unknowns. And and I think everyone needs to have these conversations individually with their oncology team and their specialists, because those folks know the situation best in terms of when you should come in, when you shouldn't come in and what should and shouldn't be done. And, you know, some people, it might be the best time, you know, to take a chemo break. Sometimes those are very good for people. It allows their Mm -hmm. immune system to kind of get recharged and re-energized and then be able to tackle cancer. And, you know, I, I, there, there's not a lot of, well, I should say this, I'm not an expert on this and I've never seen tons of data on this. I've never seen data on this, but I would imagine like skipping, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks while things calm down in the long run. I, I don't know how would the impact medically to the patient population. I, I would imagine during those three weeks, you do get stronger and you're able to build up some immunity to be able to fight the cancer. So it would actually be beneficial. So, um, you know, I know that, that, that traditionally chemotherapy is done in, you know, every two weeks or every three weeks, depending on the chemo regimen or every week. Right. But Mm -hmm. I, I would imagine if you miss a couple of weeks, just because of the safety and the concern that, uh, that your body will be stronger enough to go, you know, attack the cancer, um, you know, the next time you go in for treatment. But, Again, I'm not an expert, and nor do we pretend to be experts on this podcast. But right. I think the biggest the, the biggest point here is you have to have those discussions with those experts, right? Your medical, oh, you do, you know, oncologist and and the committee there. Nicole, I, I want to back up a little bit here and bring us back to you know years ago, like probably going back to the seven year mark when you were diagnosed as a type two diabetic. Mm-hmm. And and I always preface these questions when we look back in time, you know, that hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Like we can always look back and go, <laughs> damn, you know, I should have done you this. Know what? So here's mine. Now that you say, I mean, I've thought about it. Here is my hindsight. I can close my eyes and picture myself um, 
at the doctor's office, the uh, diabetes specialist. Mm-hmm. Endocrinologist, and, probably. Endocrinologist. Yep. And she's saying, well, you know, well, you need to lose some weight. Okay, well, you know, I was a heavyset uh, woman, but I, so I'm losing a little weight. And she's saying, no, it's really not working. Let's, you know, give you the insulin. And I'm mm-hmm. scared about insulin. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 40 something years old and I've never had to do these things before. So I wish at that point that when the doctor said, you're on the metformin, it doesn't seem to be working. Let's put you on the insulin. I wish I had said, can we do a thorough testing and make sure that it's really diabetes? Because my primary doctor stated to me, a lot of times people have these underlying pancreatic issues that looks like diabetes, but it's a pancreatic issue. Mm-hmm. But people have to press or you have to have that type of doctor that's going to pursue that issue for you, especially with the battle of insurances. You know, they won't test for certain things unless you, you've get, just got someone pushing. Correct. So I, I remember I, I I can see the building just as I'm talking to you. And I remember the doctor saying that I wish that day that I had pressed and said, you know, can we just check for anything else? Because, well, I had a grandmother that had diabetes, but diabetes didn't run in my family. It's not, you know, something that, and I get that I'm a little overweight, but I'm young enough where we can get this fixed. But just in so, you know, little bit of time, if you've had me on the metformin for a year, two years, if that wasn't it, working, it, yeah, it wasn't working. Then you know what should we've done better? You know, I just yeah, that's and, my hindsight. And in hindsight, we can always, and I, I think that's the you know we have to you know not beat ourselves up because we don't know, right? And and clearly oh, looking yeah. backwards, we can always you should have could have did a should have could have would have right. Right. You know, the other thing I wanted to to ask you too, though, in hindsight. You know, when you, when you mentioned your mom had passed away from cancer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and this is where we see like multiple family members sometimes in a family and there's, you know, genetics, which I'll ask in a second here. Um, but from a symptomatic standpoint, you know, the diabetes one is a big one, right? Because that, that there is a link. We do know that in the in late onset diabetes, which you know, if you were 42 or 41, when you're diagnosed that, you know, being diabetic, I guess, I think that the, the guidelines is like 50. So, you know, maybe this is a case where, you know, that guideline needs to change a bit, possibly. Right. I, I don't, I don't know the data on that, but, you know, so that could be one thing, but from a symptom standpoint, other than the dark urine, you didn't have any like abdominal pain. You didn't have any like back aches or anything, anything out of the ordinary. No. The only thing that I will say um, is that I was losing weight without really trying. Um, And and when I say that, um, like I could have dinner at night and decide, you know what? I don't really want this. It seemed like my appetite was decreasing during Mm -hmm. that time. It's a loss of appetite. Right. Just a loss of appetite. But other than that, because I'm, I'm not a... I get up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee while getting dressed, and I fix my last cup of coffee on my way out the door. 
I drink water all during the day at work. Mm-hmm. And for dinner, I may have a soda. And I'm a seven up ginger ale type of girl. <laughs> so I'm not really a heavy pop or, you know, a lot of yeah. other stuff kind of drinker. So my urine thing, that was something that I would definitely recognize because of my usual routine. Yeah. And, um, but other than that and the appetite loss, I had no issues. No. But this was the appetite loss was right around the same time as the dark urine or is it like, yes. it wasn't. Yes, so like any of this stuff, like you noticed this urine issue and the appetite thing right in, in 2018, it wasn't like we could look back and say like, Oh, in, in 16, you know, I, I was having like chronic back pain, no, no, no. And, you know, or mm-hmm. I, I had lost my appetite for, you know, a couple months in 17, but you know, then it came back, those kind of things. Nope. Not an issue. No, not at all. And I'm, I'm one of those people that, um, you know, there's some people that never go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, I went routinely. I went, uh, you know, to my gynecologist, I had my mammogram, uh, every couple of years because, you know, I'm not, I hadn't been of that age yet where you yeah. had to go every year. Um, uh, went to see once the diabetes was a little out of hand, the, the, di- the they told me I need to see a specialist. So yeah. I did all of that. I got my teeth cleaned you know, every couple yeah, of so, times a year. So. so you weren't avoiding going to see the doctor. So you were going oh, on routine no. checkups as you would think, you know, I, I'm hearing air quotes here that something, if something was abnormal, it would have been picked up because diagnostically you're going to the doctor and you're doing routine wellness visits, which is what everyone should be doing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Yeah. so, and that's the kind of the frustrating thing. And, you know, I guess again, you know, sitting here from afar and and I guess we're trying to self-diagnose here, right? Or or trying to find, you know, (laughs) the the smoking gun, as they say here in your case. And I I think that's just really unfair. I'll I'll put that out there. But, you Mm -hmm. know, I I think that's something that is frustrating with this disease because it's not like breast cancer where breast cancer, for most cases, you can go in, you can have a mammogram and boom, it it lights up, right? Whereas pancreatic cancer, there is nothing, right? Currently, there Mm -hmm. is nothing. There is nothing to say like, hey, you have to come in, you know, and get this test that will determine if you have pancreatic cancer or not. It's kind of like, hey, we're we're throwing darts at a a board that we have a blindfold on and we're hoping that something hits the dartboard. You know, Correct. so I, I think and in fairness, I did. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was going to say no. that um, I went um, and I did the genetic mutation testing. This was post or before? No, no, no. This is after surgery, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So afterwards, because now I'm concerned. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm not passing anything on to my son. Um, I want to make sure that my family members you know, are aware of this, you know, is there something, you know, genetically that we can find? Is it possible? And so I did all of that. There was nothing there. Nothing there. Yeah. I said, you know, my mother passed away from um, cancer. My mother was a smoker, so she had lung cancer. Um, My grandmother's, my mother's mother passed away from cancer, but she had ovarian cancer in which my family and I believe now that it was from the talcum powder. It's crazy. We yeah. don't have any real results. We don't know yeah. for sure, but just based on 
as a, my grandmother believed in Johnson Johnson baby yeah, shop. Oh, baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> that gener- I mean? that whole generation did, right? Like if you look that back, whole generation, you know, which is so you know, scary so, and crazy. Right. So, you know, we just don't know. But yeah, I did all of that to make sure. So I wanted to make sure that if there was anything there or something my son needed to follow up on for his life, that, you know, at least I did that part. But nope. Well, I think the genetic piece is so critical too, you know, with, uh, with cancer as a whole, because we know so much more about certain treatments. We know, um, you know, more things knowing more information and, and genetics is a big part. And, and for, you know, a large population, large enough on the pancreatic cancer space, we know that the, these diseases are occurring because of certain genetic mutations. So it's important though, that, that we know more about that. And then that's an important piece. And that was a question I was, I was going to ask you here. I, I got a, I got another question here for you. Okay. You mentioned faith a little bit. Mm-hmm. How much has your faith been uh, a part of this journey, um, you know, and, and, and how you, how have you used that? Faith has, my belief in God has always been a very important part of my life. I remember the day before I got the results, screaming and praying and asking God to not let it be. You know, that's the negotiation part. Yeah. If, when they call tomorrow, if they say no, Lord, I'll do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. You play all of those kind of games. Um, and then you're angry. And then it comes back and you say, but now I'm grateful to be here. So the faith part has definitely been challenging. Um. I have a routine that I do in the mornings. You know, um, I get my coffee in the mornings. I sit and I've got these books that I read, a Joyce Meyer books um, to trust God daily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I have to do that. And, I, and let me just say, I've been going through this since July of 2018. I've had these books probably since that time. But maybe within the last six months, have I made it a routine to get up and do it? Because it was a fight within myself, um, I guess, in a sense, to save my faith. I know that God is present. I know my relationship with him. But it's hard. And my son will be 20 years old on Monday. Not only am I struggling my faith, but I keep praying and asking God, don't, I don't want my son to be angry with God for taking his mom. I was 44 years old when I lost my mom. My son is just getting started with life. So I always pray and ask God to guide my tongue. Let me give him the right words. Mm-hmm. Let me give him a spirit of encouragement. And it's been hard. Uh, my family uh, has definitely come together. I, I can't say how blessed I am to have a great network of family and friends uh, that take care of me when my son is away at college. You know, they come to my house every day to feed me, and take care of me. So I'm grateful for that. 
But I asked my son the other day, I said, you know, I try not to have these hard questions, but we got to have them. Mm. So, hey, here's my question. So I asked him something and, you know, he's we got through that without me crying. You know, try it, write that down because it doesn't happen too much. <laughs> but I asked him, I always say, well, do you have any questions for me, buddy? And he said, no. Nah. And I said, come on, you know. And he said, no, he said, mom, I'm sorry. I'm just not there yet. And he said, I know I pray for you. I thank God for things and I thank God for my food. But I'm not at that point in a relationship with him where you are as of yet. And I feel like you keep pushing me. And I know that I do. So I have to pull back. But. He said, you know, you have questions for me. And my question is, why did it have to be you? And why is it stage four? And then I had to come back and tell him, why not me? You know, there's got to be an, there's some beauty in this that we've got to be able to look at. You know, um, I'm hopeful that there is beauty in everything. My family has come together with such great strength. We pray together every Sunday. We're all over Kansas, Chicago, Texas, uh, Georgia. We get on the phone every Sunday and pray together. Not just for me, but for everybody. But faith has been. It's been hard, but for where I am today in my relationship with God, I'm grateful for it. And I'm learning every day to trust him more. And I know that in my life, I thought I had this super, this cape on my back. I was superwoman and I could do it all. And I've learned that I could do nothing without him. And um, today I'm grateful for being here and for my relationship with God. And Dino, you made me cry. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to make you cry there, Nicole, but, uh, you know, I think what you just said is just so powerful for our audience listening at home. And, and, you know, as I said, we don't, uh, there's no judging on this podcast and, and it's a hundred percent honest and I think faith, whether you believe in God or you go to church or, you know, whatever, whatever you do believe in, um, is so important to us as a society and what you believe in, you know, there's, I, I truly believe there is a reason for things. Sometimes we yeah. know, and sometimes we don't know. Um, and I will say, Nicole, uh, the courage you have and the the strength you have, you know, in the, in the last two years that you've shown your son, huh, that's a lesson that some people wish they could get in a lifetime, you know, so, uh, and the family around you that, that has rallied, you know, is just so probably so special to, to be in that environment, to see people do that. And I've seen this, you know, doing this for 10 years now and how families 
react in positive ways. Now, not all of them do positive things. Sometimes it goes in the other direction, which is really, really sad. Right. But um, faith is important. I mean, there's a a larger calling to all of us. And, um, you know, I didn't ask the question to uh, to get you upset, and I apologize. Oh no! Uh, but you I'm know, I'm not upset. Just let me know. let me tell you this. I'm sorry. I'm a big baby. I'm, <laughs> I'm a girl, but I promise I'm a big baby, so it's okay. Uh, it's all it's all good. I I you know it, it happens a lot, honestly, on the podcast, and I I think that's just people are genuine, and I love that, and uh, yeah. I respect that. So you you mentioned something before that I made a note, and then you just mentioned, and it's one of my questions, and and let me first ask you the question, and then I'm going to give you some background here. And the question is, what's the best thing friends or family have done for you? But before you answer that, you said something that I highlighted here is this taught you to allow people to help you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a two-part question here is, what's the best thing that friends or family have done for you? And, and the preface of that is, there's a lot of listeners on the podcast that maybe have a family member that's battling. They don't know what to do. And I always love hearing from the, the fighters and survivors, like what, what is the best thing? What, what should people do? And then the second part is you mentioned, you know, it allowed, you know, going through this to, to let people in and to help you. So what did you mean by that? And you can answer either one first or it does, there doesn't uh, have to be an order here. Okay. So I have two older brothers. I'm a baby, the only girl. And when my parents got ill, I was the designated person. You know, I'm the power of attorney. I make the decisions for both my parents. And who wants that? But everybody's (laughs) got to do what they got to do. Well, my dad called me the boss. And I, I didn't like it, but I accepted it. And I did what I had to do. And all the decisions that I made for them, I'm grateful for them. And it was what they wanted. So when you're put in that position and when you do those things, when the tables turn and now I'm the person that I I couldn't take care of myself. Um, I couldn't go to work. The chemo was getting me. I couldn't stand at the stove and cook. And I needed somebody to take care of me. And it was hard, but I think my family just kind of swarmed in you know nobody wanted my son to have to come home from school because he's a student in uh, Michigan Mm -hmm. so my aunt came my mother's sisters so she's 20 years older than me she'd be 70 this month my aunt stays in my home with me while maintaining her own apartment so she you know money's tight Mm. But so she takes care. She lives in my house, but she pays all the bills at her house in order to take care of me because I can't cook. I have a car, but I can't drive because I don't really trust, you know, my reflexes and mm-hmm. judgment. Um, but I think the greatest thing for my family, for me, was that. They took took over. And then allow me to learn how to ask for help, which made a difference for me. That's a hard thing to do though. I think if you're always in control, right? Like if you're always that person who is the person who makes all those decisions, it's kind of hard to give that up. Let me just say, (laughs) I have learned something within, my aunt has taken over more. Um, 
in terms of, you know, because I thought, oh, I can still pay my bills. You know, so I'm online, I'm paying my bills. And then I realize I'm missing something. And, you know, then there's not enough money because you're going from a regular income to disability. Mm -hmm. So it's been so much going on. But your question was, how is my family or how have they stepped in? Um, everybody needs a strong family and a support system. And I thank God for mine. Like I said, my son has not had to worry about missing a day of his schooling to come and take care of his mom. You know, he's got somebody here Hmm. now that he's home because of the virus and everything, you know, he's doing it and my aunt gets a break. So now She's back in her apartment and taking care of herself and enjoying a break, which I'm grateful for, for her. Um, But it's been an adjustment and I've had to, uh, you know, call and ask people, can you sell me a couple of dollars because I need to get my, my medication or whatever. But I've made it through. So that's the way it's supposed to be. And my my brother that lives in Georgia, he always says to me, he says, stop taking away my blessing because I'm blessing you. Hmm. You put a seed in the ground. You know, when when you put a seed in the ground and you keep pouring on it, and you keep loving it. It blossoms into something. And my brother says that I put a seed in the ground. And that's why people surround to take care of me. So I got to believe that somewhere along the way, I did something right. Because of the blessings that I've had. Pretty powerful stuff there, Nicole. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, uh, you know, for for battling pancreatic cancer for as long as you have been, to have that profound attitude and outlook is is really special. And, and I feel blessed to just hear how you're and dealing. You know, with I don't it. know if I even really answered your question. No, you did. You did. I mean, I, I think you know. Uh, you know, there's so many takeaways and, and I think, you you know, for our audience listening at home, I mean, and this is something that comes up often, you know, this, this friend thing, like what's the best thing family and friends can do. And I, and you answered it in the sense that they're doing everything that you normally would, which is normal stuff. Like you don't right. need to go out and, you know, do anything extraordinary. It's just do the right. ordinary things and, and let people let you worry about you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and have that your attitude though, and and I've got this note here. I mean, and I talk about this often on the podcast with survivors and fighters. Is this arch or arc that we're on in life? Mm-hmm. This attitude that you talk about, and, and and when did this start? Because this is this isn't something that happens overnight, right? Like you don't you don't. No. You don't get this attitude just because you get this diagnosis. But can you look back at a time in life, maybe when you were little or experienced possibly, which brings this attitude 
to light and why you think this way and, and how you, I mean, to hear you just talk about like how powerful this relationship with your family and your son and your faith but then like you know you're you're battling you can't even drive because you know you don't trust your instincts and for us listening i'm listening here and going oh my god man like this is this is awful but like nicole's got such a such a positive outlook on that where, where does this come from um i i would have to say i guess it came from my parents hmm. And the family that, you know, I was raised in. Um, yeah. I don't know. Other than that, I don't know anything in particular. Do you? That I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Yeah, I don't know any particular circumstance. You know, I've had a decent life, um, you know, a good life, I would say. And so when, when you've had a good life, you know, we're, we're all not promised to be here for forever, you know, nobody's no going to be here, you yeah. know, forever. So for the time that you have, enjoy it. So with the whole cancer piece, I've been angry and I've been mad as hell. But I also had to learn to be grateful for each day. You know, I'm turning 50 next month. And really my plan for my fabulous at 50th celebration was that I was going to be somewhere um, on a cruise or because I love to travel. I'm a pair. I like to parasail and stuff like that. How many times have you parasailed? Only once. And it was the best experience <laughs> ever. I, I like the jet ski and things like that. So that was my plan. And God said something different. So if he plans for me to be here, I'm going to have the biggest celebration quarantined in my house, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for my 50th. But I don't know if I can't pinpoint anything for you directly um, in, in terms of, you know, what, what, put my attitude together, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's a bit of a loaded question, right? I mean, that's such a hard question to kind of look back at one instance. And what I would say to you and to our audience listening at home has probably heard me say this before, like this arc that you're on, I, I, I don't think people, you know, people just don't wake up, you know, they get this disease and then one day they just wake up and like act a certain way. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, God does put certain people in certain positions, um, you know, and, and, and I think there's, there's life lessons, um, you know, in terms of the attitude and, and like you had said before, and again, I've been taking notes, like you don't have time for cancer, but you know, this doesn't define you or doesn't change you. It's it, you, you right. are still you, right. Nicole is still Nicole. And it's just a fascinating piece and an experiment in the sense that from my perspective, that the survivors that we've had on the podcast, they've all had this really uniqueness to them in terms of their attitude or how they reacted to this disease. Like you mm -hmm. said before, like you got a son, like that's your, that's your priority. Like you don't got time for this cancer, um, right. you know? So it's just, it's just really fascinating to me as, as a interviewer here um, and, and having interviewed so many people that, you know, there's this arc that, 
our survivors and fighters are on and, and, you know, it kind of brings them, you know, the, 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 the curve, I guess we'll use that example here since that's been so brought in so much uh, of what's going on today, but that curve that people are on, you know, kind of brings them back full circle. Yeah. There's this blip called pancreatic cancer, but then people come back down to who they really are. Exactly. You know, and that blip is exactly. usually really small or, or, you know, goes high really quick and then comes back down. So it's just really fascinating. It, it, you mentioned routine. And I've just got a couple questions for you here left. And, and one of them is the routine. And, and you mentioned like, you know, having this routine. How important is that to you? Mm, it's very important. I don't, uh, I can't get into doing anything. I don't want to hear about the coronavirus. I don't want to check Facebook or anything until I've had my coffee and I've read the word for today. Yeah. And again, this has only been, I've been a child of God my whole life, but just making sure that I'm on the right path for me. I have to do this routine every morning and it's, it's been working for me in terms of how I feel inside, mentally, and the way that I handle everybody that loves me. And I say that because um, I just shared with one of my one of my best girlfriends the other day, and I we were talking, she's going through some situations in life, and I begged her, I said, don't do that to me. Do not not share with me what's happening with you mm. because I got cancer. That's an unfair friendship. Allow me to be a friend of you and share what's going on. And we talked and we shared. And I said, look at God, how, you know, if I hadn't been going through this, we wouldn't have gotten to that point in our conversation for me to be the best Nicole that I can be and inspire her like I would if it hadn't been cancer. Because if I hadn't been going through cancer, I would still encourage her and, and do those things. But just because of cancer, she stopped sharing with me. And I had to tell her, don't do that. That makes for an unfair friendship. And I love you too much to not do or be who I need to be for you. Because you are definitely being a hell of a friend to me. You know, so you get grateful about some of the little things that are really huge. It's powerful. Two questions left, Nicole, here. First one is, if someone's listening to this podcast and they are just recently diagnosed, what's the best bit of advice that you could give that person? Mm -hmm. Given what you've gone through, just from your perspective, and, and there's no right or wrong to this. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, your advice that you would give someone who's just been diagnosed and, you know, is listening to the podcast. Uh, I would say sit, scream, cry, pray, yell, you know, do whatever you want to do right then and be okay with it and sit in the moment. And allow yourself some time to soak it in. 
and then get about the business of living with it. But soak it in and yell and scream, cuss, do whatever you need to do to get it out. And then get about the business of living with it. It's powerful. Last question for you. And again, this the I always save the hard ones for the for the end, <laughs> as you can That's tell, okay. Nicole here. And again, this is somewhat of a loaded question. It, there's no right or wrong to it. Uh, this is how you define pancreatic cancer. What's your definition of pancreatic cancer? And you can be as honest and as blunt. Mm. Cancer. Pancreatic cancer. That's what I'm going to die from. But I didn't get to choose when I came in this world. I don't get to choose how I'm going out. But I get to choose how I live in the midst. And I'm sorry, I can't give pancreatic cancer more of a definition. Well, Nicole, um, that's a pretty pretty honest answer. And I hope you're wrong. But I know there's, uh, a, there's a serious reality to this. Yeah. And uh, 100 plus episodes, no one has ever answered the question that way. And that's not either right nor wrong. Um, I get it. Kind of taking me back a little bit. No, no, but that, that's, but that is the reality, right? Right. And that's why that is my reality. And like I say, it's okay. I did not. There are certain choices that we can make. The choice that I can make is how I'm living with it. And I'm making that choice, you know, to smile and be happy and enjoy what I can. God bless you. That's my choice. Nicole, powerful words for our audience and for those listening at home. I, I want to thank you for being a guest on the Project Purple podcast and for sharing your openness and your story. And uh, it's been an honor to interview you, you and, so and ask you these questions. I've got one more last thing for you. If our audience at home is listening uh, to this and they want to connect with you, I, I know we've connected via social media on Twitter, but if someone maybe just wants to reach out to you, say hi, or connect with you, talk to you a little bit more about your diagnosis, maybe the diabetes part, what's the best way if someone wanted to reach out to you and say hi to you? Um, I'm on Twitter. And on Facebook and on Instagram. <laughs> so on on uh, Twitter, what is your handle? Is it Nicole Carey or? Well, hold on one minute. I got to look at it and see because I'm still <laughs> learning about this. <laughs> I can probably look quicker and look at our our Ooh. channel. I'm sorry, and I was no, moving that's okay. around. <laughs> that's okay. I can find out real quick. What okay. is what is your? On Instagram, what are you listed as on Instagram? Okay, let me get that and, and tell you. So, uh, Nicole, so on Twitter, you are, your handle is msnikki16, correct? That's at, me. At on Twitter. Yes. And so, for our audience listening at home, if you'd like to connect with Nicole on Twitter, it's at msnikki16 
Nicole, thank you for being a guest on the Project Purple podcast and for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Dean, for having me. Um, I hope that my story, you know, helps someone else. And it's been great to share. Well, we appreciate the honesty. And, and as I said, I was taking notes this whole time. And, and I have something here that I'll end this this podcast episode with is two things that were so profound that you said. And the first is, I don't have time for cancer, which is the way you're living life. And thank you for sharing that. And then I think what your brother said is just putting those seeds in the ground is just a beautiful way of how you've lived your life. And you know, this entire podcast summed up in those two quotes. So from all of us at Project Purple, thank you for being on the podcast. And as we say here, until next time, folks, if you like what you hear today, please follow us, share this podcast. And until next time, that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple podcast. Thank you.